0: I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, September 8th, 2020. Coming up, we get the scoop on poop. We'll learn how CU Residence Hall Wastewater is helping CU Boulder get an early warning of COVID-19 for all the students in each dorm, even before they have symptoms.
1: Out of the ones that we've been monitoring, there have been seven that I've consistently not displayed really any detectable levels of the SARS-CoV-2.
0: We begin with a look at just how much tests for COVID-19 have been changing in this wild and crazy year. For more,
2: here's Beth Bennett. It's hard to believe it's been just over seven months since the U.S. confirmed its first case of COVID-19 in late January. You'd be justified in asking why has testing lagged so far behind that it's still hard to find a test that gives results in under a day. Well, in fact, there has been amazing progress on testing. Within three days of the release of the COVID-19 genome in early January, European scientists developed a PCR test. The European test mixes a nasal swab sample with a special chemical solution called a reagent. It helps tag a nasal sample that has COVID genetic material. Diagnostic labs run this test in a special machine that's expensive and sometimes in short supply, but it works. The PCR test is still the gold standard for diagnosing COVID-19 and will run you at least 100 bucks. Back in January, the CDC, meaning the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, developed a similar PCR test. Unfortunately, the CDC's reagents didn't work. Other U.S. labs scrambled to fill the gap with their own styles of PCR tests. But the FDA required an emergency use authorization, that's called an EUA, before real people could take those tests for diagnostic purposes. The paperwork to get the EUA was substantial. More delays. The paperwork got easier. More U.S. labs got approval. Most preferred the reliable European reagent, but it was often on backorder. The U.S. labs then switched to other reagents, but those became backlogged too. PCR machines were in short supply, and so were people qualified to take nasal samples and use PCR machines. Getting test results could take weeks. Some labs even tweeted on Twitter pleading for testing supplies. In early March, labs in Seattle switched from PCR machines to testing vials that were filled with reagents. The test tubes were easy to get. This sped up the testing. Then in July, Yale scientists announced a rapid test that uses saliva instead of a nasal sample. This allows non-invasive frequent sampling and reduces the need for trained healthcare professionals to do the collection. And the price dropped significantly to about 10 bucks. While big testing delays still plague many labs, right now at CU, the BioFrontiers test being used to screen dorm students represents many advancements. It's a saliva test. It provides results in a couple hours. But remember the FDA's emergency use authorization? The BioFrontiers test doesn't have that approval yet. So students who get a positive result on the BioFrontiers quote, screening test, must then go to CU's Wardenburg Student Health Center, which has an FDA-approved PCR test. Wardenburg's test gives results in about 24 hours. After that, the students will have a formal COVID-positive diagnosis. So in this quick-changing world of COVID-19 testing, sagas are continuing. Our fingers are crossed that all the ways CU is working to test for COVID-19 and quarantine-infected students and staff will keep the university open. Thanks to Beth Bennett for that report.
0: Last Friday, CU did report an uptick in COVID-19 cases among students. CU says that the positive cases are mostly among the 25,000 students who live off campus, including in sororities and fraternities. The university did not update its public data over the Labor Day holiday, and this week, reported cases are likely to be higher again. But CU Boulder media spokesperson Candace Smith says that intensive testing of dorm students may be helping those dorm students have lower rates of COVID-19 compared with off-campus students. Now CU is doing a lot of different styles of tests. So to picture that testing further, let's hear from CU spokesperson Candace Smith.
3: We did see an increase in cases, probably the biggest increase and that's mainly because we believe a couple things. There were large parties which were out there off campus, and we did see, you know, one larger gathering on campus that first week of school. Logically, two weeks later, we're starting to see the cases come in. The other thing that happened this week is that several of our dorms, the wastewater Sewage testing, which is testing for virus loads in the wastewater, gave us the early detection we were hoping for. So we sent out several notices to residence hall residents that they needed to come in and get one of our screening tests as part of our monitoring process.
0: How about the Sawyer Lab test? We don't get to have the ultra-fast 45-minute turnaround Sawyer Lab test. What happened with that?
3: The researchers, they needed some additional supplies to continue to do that test. So we paused on that one a couple weeks ago. Good news is they're stocked up and we are discussing how we can incorporate them into our current monitoring and diagnostic testing. They are also still going through a state validation process. Colorado Department of Public Health and the Environment. But you know, it's not being used on campus right now, basically.
0: Now let's go to the next monitoring test. This is the BioFrontier Saliva Test. Yep. What do you know about that?
3: Turnaround time for just one single test. It's still pretty good. It's a couple of
0: hours. I mean, they're running hundreds of tests. It's like baking four dozen cookies at once or 200 cookies at once. You can do 100 or 200 tests all at once and get the results back in two hours. Correct. It detects an
3: early phase of infection, which basically it's key for us
0: in what we're trying to do here. Maybe we can put up with test results in two hours. Right. CU spokesperson Candace Smith says that the university sends resident hall students an email ordering testing if their dorm's wastewater shows evidence of COVID-19, students who got those email notices last week. Most dorms did not need that notice. But as a general rule, students at every dorm are supposed to give a weekly saliva sample at screening stations on campus using the BioFrontier's early warning COVID-19 test. As of last week, the rate of COVID-19 among all dorm students was good and low. Here's Candace Smith
3: So, for the students who were screened with that test, less than 1% are screening positive. And as of Thursday, we had tested over 4,200 with that saliva test.
0: Less than 1% have tested positive. We like that low percentage.
3: The wastewater plus the weekly come to your saliva test students. And then all those referrals that come out positive then are moved to the health clinic for the PCR test. And then it is the, oh, you tested positive. Now we got to do the contact tracing and you need to isolate.
0: We all know that the testing resources are limited, both the time of people and reagents, lab equipment. It's a short supply around the world. Does this funnel-like approach give you a way to batch test at first, find the likely suspects that may have COVID before they even know it, and test them once, test them twice, see if they have it. Exactly. So that's the point of this, and fingers crossed that this is going to work. The sewage guys are the frontline defenders of CU Boulder.
3: Yes. Yes, they are, for sure.
0: We've been talking with CU Boulder spokesperson, Candace Smith, about the many tests being used right now on campus for COVID-19. Up next, we'll talk about an automatic mass testing for CU dorm students that doesn't require any trip to a testing site and can give an early warning alert to COVID-19 within the dorm before there are obvious symptoms of illness, thanks to the underground river of pipes that carries wastewater out of the dorms. Stay tuned. Shelley Schlender. This is how on Earth the KGNU Science Show. Here's the problem. If we want to reduce the spread of COVID-19, it would be helpful to test everybody regularly and before they even have symptoms. That's because people without symptoms can spread this disease. The problem is doing even one test is often such a hassle. Testing supplies are often backordered and take a lot of staff to carry out. And then there's you. The person getting tested you have to go somewhere and get a swab poked up your nose or you have to give some blood or spit in a tube then to top it all off over 90 percent of the test will come back negative all that trouble and most people don't even have covid19 if only there was a way to get covid19 tests done automatically in some batched group way that avoids all that one-on-one hassle With a batch test, only people who are in a group that shows some positive results would need to take the time to come in for an individual test. This pre-screening would save time and money. And at CU Boulder Dorms, an effort like this is going on right now. This automatic pre-screening effort involves the normal flushing of toilets. (laughs) The effort is led by a professor of environmental engineering, Creston Mansfeld.
1: My name is Creston Mansfeld. I am an assistant professor here at the University of Colorado Boulder in the Civil, Environmental and Architectural department and in the Environmental Engineering program. So tired I forgot to throw engineering into the Civil, Environmental and Architectural Engineering department.
0: Preston may sound a little different from what you'd expect because he is wearing a mask.
1: Currently I'm wearing a mask because on campus we try to have a very strong community health program to combat the spread of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which is an aerosol transmitted virus. And it's one where to have a safer on-campus experience, we try to promote everyone to wear a mask and it's mandated.
0: Next to a manhole behind a CU Boulder residence hall, a large, loud air conditioning system is blowing lots of air into the dorms to keep the air inside fresh. CU students walk by, skateboard by, drive their cars by. Preston Mansfeld and I are in this parking lot because of what's next to the manhole. It's a green plastic storage bin, about the size of a large college footlocker. Little padlocks keep the bin locked. Long, thin tubes come out of the bin and disappear through a small hole in the manhole cover. Down below, they evidently go down, down to CU's underground river system that carries wastewater. You can think of the tubes as very long straws. Every day, those straws are siphoning up wastewater that includes something very important for this test. It's the water from toilet flushes happening at the dorm. The tubes siphon the dorm's wastewater to bottles hidden inside the green storage bins. Creston Mansfeld leads a project that is using this wastewater sampling system to check for COVID-19 within the dorms without asking students to do a special spit test or a nasal swab test. All it takes to get early detection is flushing toilets. Here's Creston Mansfeld.
1: I've been working in kind of the sewage and activated sludge and monitoring realm probably for about five years now. And it started more on the small molecule side, so being able to track pharmaceuticals and personal care products through the wastewater system.
0: Drugs and cosmetics often contain pollutants such as endocrine disruptors. When these pollutants come out in feces that can harm people and the environment, tracking those products at wastewater treatment plants is a way to also track whether or not the sewage treatment plants can clear those pollutants out. Wastewater is also a way to track infectious diseases. Our bodies shed the virus that causes COVID-19 through our feces, you know, our poop. The virus can show up in feces one week before someone goes to see a doctor about symptoms. So monitoring the virus in feces provides an early warning signal about virus spread. This monitoring is already going on at big sewage treatment facilities throughout the Front Range, in fact, throughout the world, so that cities can know when a spike in COVID cases might be coming, meaning those cities may need more masks or tests available at hospitals. Here's Creston Mansfeld.
1: So there's a broader initiative along the entire Front Range. Initially, about 21 wastewater treatment plants very early on linked up in their own collaborative project and it's uh, being currently run out of Colorado State University at Dr. Susan DeLong's laboratory. What they do is in partnership with the Colorado Department of Public Health, they sample on a bi-weekly basis at all these wastewater treatment plants and they monitor and screen for the SARS-CoV-2 virus.
0: Most COVID monitoring at sewage treatment facilities involves far too many people to figure out just who has COVID within the community. That's because sewage treatment facilities process sewage from thousands of people at once.
1: It ranges from some of the big ones in the Denver metro region, so you're talking about 250,000 people simultaneously, to some of the more distributed ones up in Colorado Springs, where you'd be looking maybe at 30,000 or 10,000 people per treatment plant.
0: Mansfeld says that at CU, they're testing the wastewater of each dorm individually, meaning their batches are around 200 to 400 students.
1: Even if you're looking at like what we're doing here at the University of Colorado Boulder, where we're monitoring on a building scale, is it's really kind of monitoring the building and all the outflows that's coming there. We can't pinpoint it back to a specific individual. So for within sewage, it's usually more of an early warning signal. So especially when they were monitoring at one of the Massachusetts wastewater treatment plant, the Yale research group was finding that you get about a seven day lead time between when you start detecting a signal in wastewater or starting to see an increase in it to when you start seeing increases in people seeking medical care or getting diagnostic testing. There is, with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, a lot of asymptomatic carriers where they can still have an infection, but display no adverse effects to that infection. And so they would be actually shedding the virus and potentially could pass the virus on to somebody else, but be completely unaware of it because they're not displaying any negative health impacts.
0: Mansfeld says he started working on this project in the early summer.
1: Actually I was approached by the campus planning committee here and specifically Roy Parker who reached out to me at the end of May because he knew that there was talent and interest in the wastewater realm up in the environmental engineering program. He reached out to us and said is there a capacity and also interest and availability to do this And then I started to work on a plan, and each step of the way, with a lot of help from a lot of on-campus facilities, so the facilities management, everything to the Office of Security, Integrity, and Compliance, it was just showing that there was more feasibility to actually launching a campaign like this, and also a more need and potential utility for having this screening on campus. We, when it's fully launched, we'll have 23 sites. Currently there are 14 sites operational. They are actually on the outflows of all the residential halls on campus. And it's specifically targeting the residential community to provide another layer of screening and monitoring. What we do is we pull the sewage samples back to a processing laboratory and there we kind of borrow a lot of the techniques that are used for some of the saliva testing or for some of the other different types of material testing where we use what is known as the RT-PCR so reverse transcript polymerase chain reaction which just uses the same material, but in more of this monitoring context.
0: Mansfield says the CU monitoring system is only for the residential halls, meaning only the dorms. He says there are many reasons to focus on them, including the risk of a person with COVID making lots of dorm students sick.
1: When you have the dorm students that are very closely approximated together, you can both detect an outbreak much quicker by having the, this kind of grid set up But there's also the risk that it could spread faster because there's people that are much more closely together and also it's directly on campus itself. So more people just naturally interact with that residential population. And they would have a more challenge to socially distance or socially isolate in case of Colorado needing to progress into a more social distance realm And so we're trying to give as much monitoring capability for those on campus.
0: Mansfeld says he's getting help on this project from CU student volunteers. To do this project, Mansfeld's team has placed large green locked bins full of sampling equipment right next to manholes that open up to each dorm's wastewater. That wastewater is flowing through artificial rivers, sometimes 20 feet underneath ground level. A long, long, narrow tube lets machines inside the locked green bins pump up wastewater and put it into sealed bottles inside the bins. Then Mansfeld's team takes those bottles to labs at CU Beyer Frontiers where the labs test those samples pretty much the same way they test an individual sample for COVID-19. Except the dorm wastewater sample represents a few hundred people, not just one person at a time. If one of the wastewater samples tests positive, then CU alerts the students in that dorm to come in for individual testing to figure out just who among them is sick. It's tempting to wonder why the city of Boulder doesn't go ahead and put up sampling sites at every single manhole near an apartment building, at frat houses, and so on to test for COVID-19 in this group-pooled way. Mansfeld says his teams aren't big enough to do all that. Besides, the teams that do the testing must do a lot of work right at the manholes. You know, those heavy, round metal lids you often see somewhere on a busy street. Mansfeld says that another reason his teams focus only on CU's residence hall wastewater is the manholes near the dorms tend to be in fairly quiet and safe locations. On CU
1: Boulder, a lot of uh, the sewer manholes are kind of like where I'm sitting right now, where it's not in a main kind of road network. Where when you go into like the city of Boulder, a lot of the manholes are actually running right down the mains of streets. And so it becomes more difficult to sample safely. And especially with a very student championed crew where it become much more hesitant and much more reluctant to send undergrads out to change a battery at a specific location if it's in the center line of a street. The overarching goal of this project is to provide an early warning indicator to allocate the other resources that have been stood up on campus, and that is really uh, to get somebody who might not even know that they're infected, or somebody who may show symptoms later into a uh, intervention possibility much earlier, and then also simultaneously to protect the community health if you can catch these infections and the buildup of the RNA prior to the spread within a community, then you can provide an added layer of safety and security on campus. This was designed as how do we detect an outbreak, how do we allocate resources to assist those individuals that may be producing that signal to get a diagnostic test and get into treatment and get into an intervention method early. It isn't to passively sit by and just watch as the virus builds and then goes through the system. It's much more trying to knock down any of the embers that are popping up prior to any of the wildfires catching.
0: Last week, the wastewater from three dorms tested positive for COVID-19, so all the students in those three dorms were alerted to go do a spit test to figure out just who inside the dorm is actually infected. When we talked with Creston Mansfeld, it wasn't yet public information whether a very few students in those dorms have tested positive or many have. CU Boulder says that information might be public later today when we interviewed Creston. He said that while three of the dorms they've been testing did have traces of COVID-19 in the sewage water, most of the dorms they've been testing don't have any traces of COVID-19. This implies none of those dorm students are currently infected.
1: Oh, out of the ones that we've been monitoring, there have been seven that have consistently not displayed really any detectable levels of the SARS-CoV-2. I look to the team that goes out in the field every day, where it's undergrads who signed up for maintaining some of the sample locations. And the PhD student, she has dedicated the past two months specifically to this project, just how much effort and sacrifice that they put in to try to improve community health. And that just makes me more optimistic.
0: I'm Shelley Schlender. We've been outside a CU Boulder residence hall near a sewage manhole talking with Creston Mansfeld. Mansfeld is a CU professor in the Environmental Engineering program. He's leading CU Boulder's efforts to test wastewater from CU dorms as an early warning signal for COVID 19 when we spoke with Mansfeld late last week. He said not all dorms are yet set up with wastewater monitoring systems. Students at those dorms are currently being tested for COVID-19 only with weekly saliva tests processed at CU's BioFrontiers. Frontiers. Late last night, Preston Mansfeld emailed that they now have 17 of the CU residence halls being monitored through their wastewater for COVID-19. Mansfeld hopes to get all dorms set up with wastewater monitoring devices soon and he hopes his monitoring teams will help CU Boulder stay open. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. This week's show was produced by yours truly, Shelley Schlender and engineered by Maeve Conran. Additional contributions by Beth Bennett. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from Beethoven and Raymond Scott. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments? Call the KJNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Shelley Schlender.